0: And we're, we're studying this. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, Joshua 24, verse 15. We talked about this when we looked at the, the next, next screen. You're going to see this word. It says being a servant. This is where we, we've gotten on to John chapter 15. Looked at John 13, 14, 15, and 16. And um, it talks about being a servant, and that's what led us into John. He, he talks about being a servant because he was a servant to those men. He brings all the men to the upper room, and, and he's about ready. He, they don't understand what's about ready to happen, but he knows what's going to happen. And so he starts talking to his disciples and one of the first things he does is he has communion with them. Then he washes their feet. What an interesting statement about him being a a servant. And we're going to get right into this. It it talks about the Last Supper and then washing of the feet. Can you imagine God himself washing your feet? I would pray that I had Peter's response but understood what Peter's response was. Peter's response said, no, you're not going to wash my feet. And then Jesus said, if you're my servant, if you're my disciple, you'll let me wash his feet. And then what does Peter do? He jumps in. When he jumps in, he jumps 100% in. He said, then wash my whole body. And so he washes his feet, and then the next thing is he's teaching his disciples. I want you to get two things this morning when we look at this portion of Scripture. We're not to the portion of Scripture that I want you to get to, but we read some verses in there. Don't you think that God wants us to have fruit in our life? I planted um, 12 tomato plants, I now have 11, okay? I was tilling and I wasn't paying attention and someone called me, I forget, somebody from the church, I forget who it was, I looked down at my phone, and when I looked down at the phone, my tiller got too close to the tomato stand and just ripped it to shreds. My little poor tomatoes, it had the most tomatoes on it, they were shooting all over, Dinah I started crying. And I, and I thought, here's some green tomatoes for my wife to, to, to do fried green tomatoes. And, and, and so I'm down to 11. But out of those 11 plants, there's two of them that don't have any tomatoes on They don't have any flowers on I don't know what they're thinking. You know what my first response is, Bernard? Pull them up. I don't know. And then I think, okay, I'm just going to give them a little bit more hope. Anybody got tomato plants that don't have any, toma- uh, any um, plant, um, flowers on them? When I see flowers on tomato plants, that means later on, guess what, there's going to be a tomato there. I've been talking to these tomato plants, trying to get them encouraged to understand that they <laughs> are a tomato plant. They're not a shade plant, they're a tomato plant. There's nothing on them. And my wife is always right. Guys, just say this, your wife is always right. I wish I knew what tomato kind of, what kind of plants they were because she said stick those things in the ground beside them. I thought I did. But I think someone in my neighborhood went around and pulled them all up because I can't figure out what kind of tomato plants these are. I know they're not tomato plants. They just look like tomato plants. How many of you ever work with tomato plants? You touch a tomato plant, there's that certain smell. And I know it's a tomato plant because I touched it and I smelled my hand and sure enough it smelled just like a tomato plant. But it's producing nothing. We just read these verses and it talked about he's teaching his disciples and he says, listen, he goes, you need to produce some fruit. Now you look at his disciples and you study their life out, they all produce fruit. He also talks about the comforter. Now he's going to talk to these disciples and he's going to say a few things to them. They're not going to understand it and he knows it. They're not going to understand it then, but they'll understand it later. He tells them the comforter is going to come. They have no earthly idea what he's talking about the Holy Spirit. Never been there. Never been their comforter. But he also knows that they're going to need a comforter. He also brings up something else when he talks to him. He says this. He says, I'm going to give you peace. Isn't there something wonderful about peace? Sharing this was the Sunday school, I can't stand to watch the news. It just irritates me. There's just so many things going on. And you go, man, it just irritates me to hear this, 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 this. And there seems like there's no peace. But amongst all those, I can shut the TV off, not listen to what they're saying, and I can have peace in my life. And so can you. And it's not from anything that the reporters or TV will do or radio will do. It's all about the peace of God that passes all understanding. But then he says something else to these men. He brings these two things in. Remember when he says this, I'm the vine, you're the branches. I want you to think this through. Do you think they understood that? I don't think they did. Again, I think this is one of those things he's going to teach them. And later on, they'll understand it. He says, listen, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You can't do anything without the vine if you're a branch. If you pull a branch off your tree, guess what? The vine will still sustain life. The branch will die. Isn't it interesting that we have to hold on to the vine who is God to get the resources we need, the nourishment we need? We've got to see this, but they don't understand it but he's about ready to do something to them, and he's going to use some words that they do understand. I can almost see him because he loves these, these 11 guys who are sitting up there. Judas has already left, and he's talking to them, and he tells them, listen, the comforter's going to come. You're going to have peace in your life, and ye, ye are the branches, and I'm the vine. You need me. And then lo and behold comes um, John chapter 15, and I want you to see this. We're going to talk about two things in here that he talks about and they all understand these two words. He's going to talk about love and they don't understand exactly how much he loves them but they will. And he's also going to talk about a word they might not understand the vine and the branches but they're going to understand this next word. What's the next word? Friends. How many of you ever had a good friend? How many of you have a good friend? I guess I should say that. Okay better be your wife or your spouse if that's the one but you better have some more friends than that you know I, I consider a lot of people friends in here I always call Bobby my, my friend Bobby he's back over there he always takes me out for hot dogs amen if you want to be my friend take me out for a hot dog alright <laughs> we all have friends now you can go retrospect in your in your life how many of you had a friend that wasn't a good friend I have I remember growing up and, and I can look if I were to bring my friend that I was a friend in high school with I brought Doug in here we're the same age I can guarantee you this with his lifestyle I look 10 years younger than he does he used to be able to run like a deer he was in my cross country team he was on my football team he played a little bit of basketball but not much but I remember I, I would try to catch him running cross country could never do it how many of you ever ran cross country in here all right, I'm going to see how many people are insane in here. Okay, all right. I'd get up every, every, every race and go, why am I doing this? My cross-country coach, he was, a, he, was a, he was a gentleman. He made us do a lot of things. I ran two marathons and two mini-marathons when I was on the cross-country team. And it wasn't that I wanted to. It was because we had to. Back then, you had to run three and a half miles, and that was a warm-up for him. The worst day of cross-country practice is when he would come in. His last name was Willard. He would come in and say, we're going to run until I get tired. I was like, can I call my parents and tell them I won't be home till late? we just take off running. You know, when, when, you, when you think of this, some of the friends that you have, how they influenced you. Good, bad, or indifferent, they, they, had, they had some type of influence to you. So let's look at these things. Let's look at God's love real quick. And many things are said about God's love in this. Let's, look, let's break these down. Go to verse number 9. And it says in this, As the Father hath loved me, so have I loved you. Isn't it great to know that God loves you? You have God's love in your life. But look at the next phrase, because I want you to see this, because sometimes we just think we've arrived. How many of you ever gotten where, I think I can do it, I think I can do it, then you realize you can't do it. Because if you look at the next one, it says continue. Keep reading in chapter 15, verse 9. It says, 15 verse 9, it says this, it says, continue in my continue ye in my love. We can't, we shouldn't, we shouldn't try to survive outside of God's love. We need to be in his love. It's a continual thing. It's an ongoing process that we've got to understand. When you, when you realize this, it's alive, it's moving. Watch this. If you ever went through a situation and you didn't know how you are going to handle it, you read God's word and you've read these verses before, you read them again, they meant something totally different to you. That's why it says God's word is a lie. You've got to continue in it because he has something new for you every day. New for you every day. It says in verse number 10, it says, if you keep my commandments. Wow, we're supposed to keep his commandments. Growing up, my dad would give me tasks to do during the day, especially in the summer. He might give me five or six tasks. You know what? It always seemed like he'd pick the one I didn't do. Did you get this done? Hmm, no, I didn't have enough time. But I had enough time to go play with my buddies. I, I would never get all of his commandments done. I'd try. How many of you are easily sidetracked? You know who I I don't know. How many of you have seen the movie Up? I'm that dog on Up. I see a squirrel, and I chase after it, you know? And I remember going, squirrel, and just taking off. And then I come back, and then I say, oh, my word, Dad's coming back. He's going to get me. And he would say, did you follow my commandments? But if the Bible says in this verse, if you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. If we really want God's love in our life, we've got to keep his commandments. I knew when I was breaking my mom and dad's commandments. So did you. I know when I'm breaking God's commandments. And so do you. But if I want to be in God's love continually, i got to keep his commandments. We've got to see this. We've got to understand it. We've got to keep his commandments. And then I like this. Keep reading it. It says, if you if keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love, even as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. You know what he's telling you there? That he's the example that we need. Everybody in this room needs an example. You know, it's so funny. We, we just need some examples. How many of you have ever had the privilege of training a pet? You better raise your hand back there. You just started. There are new pet owners back there. They got a dog yesterday, and their life has changed. Uh, Phyllis, would you like to take care of their dog for about a week until it gets trained, and then you can have it? All right. You know, I, I look at them, and I think, these dogs, they, are, they know what they're doing. If I go to my house today after church, and one of them's made a mistake, you know what I can do? I can look at, I've got three golden retrievers. I can look at them and tell you which one did it. Because two of them will be going, and the other one will go. And I'll call their name and they'll just keep looking. And then it's obvious when you tell them to go outside and go to the bathroom, the one that doesn't go outside is the one that did it, amen? They need to go to school and figure out how they can school me. But I'm looking at them, I can tell which one did it. you got to train, we need this, we need the training, we need the commandments. I need to be in God's love. There is so much hate and so so many problems in this world. In my world, there's problems. In your world, there's problems. You know what I need? I need that love. So I've got to keep his commandments to stay in his love continually. Go to the next one. It says that your joy might be full. Hmm. We let our joy go out, amen? How do you get it back? It says in verse number 11, These things have I spoken to you that, you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. The only way you can do this through God, and you get that joy. I, I remember going to restaurants sometimes. How many of you ever had a bad waitress or waiter? Somehow in my mind, I think a waiter should fill up my, my sweet tea all the time. I take a sip, it better be filled up again. You ever been there? Have you ever gotten all the way down to nothing? What are you? Are you the one that juggles the ice so people can hear it? Denver, are you one of those? Are you a slurper? Anybody like that? Denver, are you one of those? Which one are you, Denver? Throw your glass down and get another one? But when, remember when that, when that glass is filled up, how good you feel? It's like, oh, they did it. I didn't think she would ever fill this up. And now she filled it up, and I love it. I'll drink a little bit, she'll fill it up again. Man, I, I want my joy filled. And God wants our love to be in there, and when we get the love, guess what? Our joy will be full. It's just something about it being full that we like. And I think so often we do like we do with our cars. Now, there's some people in here that never let their cars go all the way down. Is anybody like that in gas? okay. I wish my my wife is not here to defend herself. I wish she was like that. When I drive her car, the first place I go to, guess where I gotta go? The gas station. If you're listening to this on the internet, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> but I have to go fill up her car with gas. She'll say, I didn't see that light. You mean the red flashing light that's on your dashboard? Yeah, I didn't see that. And she'll say, I didn't hear that ding 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 low fuel low fuel low fuel. You didn't hear that? Because every time I get in your car, I hear it. The other day, she was driving my car, and I didn't realize that I had ran it down. And she said, "You know where I had to go? I had to go to the gas station." Did you not hear that bit beat? Did you not see that? Down? I was like, "Hun, she probably didn't say it that way because she's sweeter than I am." But that's that was her. That's what I saw. Amen. We need this thing full. The Bible says, listen, your joy might be full. You know the key word of this is the second word, might. There are so many things that want to steal your joy. And all God wants you to be is in his love and get the joy out of life. Get the joy out of life. Go to the next one. Not only that, and this is a hard one. We're supposed to love one another. If we're supposed to love one another, we're supposed to love our family, we're supposed to love our friends, we're supposed to love each other. And he knew Jesus. Now remember, go back to the pretense of who he's speaking this to. He's speaking it to his disciples. He knows they need each other. He knew the influence that they would have on each other. Go on a little bit further in the story. Guess what? Peter goes a fishing, and many of these men go with him because he had an influence. We've got to love one another. Anybody in here perfect? Anybody close? I'm not. I'm going to offend somebody probably before the day's over. Amen? And what you, I just saw a lady say amen, and I can't believe she said that. Anyway, I, 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 I think, I'm going to offend somebody. You're going to offend somebody. Amen? And so what you've got to do is you've still got to love them despite their faults. Sometimes we're just half empty. And when you're half empty, you see everything a different she didn't talk to me. He didn't, he didn't shake my hand. Didn't. Go back to this. We need to love one another. Read the verse. It says, this is my commandment. He's talking to disciples that you love one another as I have loved you. Again, what's the example? Christ is. He says, I'm the example to you. You need to love each other. We're going to let each other down. Amen. We're not perfect. We still got to love each other. Some of the sweetest times that my wife and I have is when we reconciled our our anger at each other. Said, I'm sorry I did this, I'm sorry I did it." And sometimes we'll say, bless God, I'm not going to be the first one to say it. Get over your pride and just say you're sorry and love each other. The people in this room you should love, even when they let you down. And then he gives you the biggest example of love in all the Bible. Now remember, these disciples don't know what's about to happen, and he gives us the verse that many people quote about a greater love. He's told them they need to love each other, he's told them they've they've got a comforter, he's told them they have peace, he tells them about God's love, he tells them as we go through this that they need to continue in it, they need to follow his commandments, and their joy might be full and they must love each other, and look at the next three words, greater love hath no man than this, that a man laid down his life for his friends. They did not understand what he's, he's telling them right now, but they would. And they would understand it quickly when he goes to the cross. And you want me to tell you the one I think that would, would understand it more than anybody is Peter. He's the one where Jesus is praying, he cuts the guy's ear off, they put it back on. He's the one that denies him three times. And one of the scriptures says the third time he denies him, that Jesus makes eye contact with him. He understood what greater love was. So we've got to get back to understanding that God has something for us. So we go back to these vines and the branches. He tells them they're supposed to be the vine. He's the vine, where the branches. But then he's going to hit this where they could understand it. Three times in this scripture, he uses the word friends. We all know what a friend is, and as we look at this, three times it's found in here. This is actually a Greek word, philos. We get the word. Philadelphia from it, the city of brotherly love. Supposed to be friendships. In fact, the definition of this is this, an associate, wish him well, to be friendly to one. Webster defines the word friends as this, a person attached to another by feelings or affection or personal regard. Now, we can say we're friends with people. We can drop names of who we're friends to. But we really know who our real friends are, amen? How many of you had a, a privilege of, of meeting someone that's famous? Anybody? I've met a couple people that are famous. I, 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 for some reason, I don't know, they said Larry Bird was not very good in math, so our math teacher in elementary was his tutor. They brought Larry Bird when he was playing for Indiana State University. He came and coached one of our games. All he did was sit at the bench. You go in, you go in. He didn't know who we were. And we were like... He said my name. No, he said you, okay? I had the privilege of selling a a dog to George Strait. Got to meet him and his wife. But they're not my friends. I could care less about them. Who's your friends? Jesus tells you three things about friends. Let's look at the first one. We just read the verse. Let's look at what, what friends do. It's God's love to us. Read that verse one more time. Greater love... Remember that verse? Go to verse number 13. You're going to see God's love illustrated to us. Let's look at this in friendship. In verse number 13, greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. This is God's love to us. Aren't you thankful that God, God calls us a friend? But he also says that he loves us, and it, it, and his love to us is that he's going to sacrifice something that's very good, very near and dear to him. I have two daughters. I love many people in this room. But I wouldn't sacrifice my daughters for you. Any parent worth their weight in anything would not sacrifice their own kids for you. But can I tell you this? God sacrificed his only son. And God told Jesus to say this. He was following his Lord. He was following his father's leadership. And it shows God's love to us because he was willing to give his life for us. Aren't you thankful for that? I am. So we have God's love toward us is that he's going to sacrifice his own son. Now, our love towards him is found in verse number 14. Go to verse 14 and read it with me. Verse 14, as, as he's speaking to his disciples, he says, ye are my friends, if you do whatever so, whatsoever I command you. So our love to Christ is if we listen to what he tells us to do. Go back to that relationship with your mom and dad. When your mom and dad told you to do something, what did you do? When you followed their rules, what were you showing them? You were showing them that you loved them. And you respected them. We've got to get back to understanding that God wants us to love him. Our love to Christ is reflective upon our relationship of following his rules. We all have rules amen? One of the rules I could never understand growing up, I don't know where they came up with that study, is when we would eat, we were not allowed to go swimming for how many, what was your, what was your parents? How many of you had a rule where you couldn't go swimming for how long? Anybody remember that? 30 minutes. 30 minutes. How many of you remember that? My mom didn't get the memo, hers was 45 minutes. And I remember we'd go, we, where did you get that number? I think she just made it up. Forty-seven minutes—you can't go swimming for forty-seven minutes. And I remember we'd go swimming, and and we get done eating, they get done eating. And about fifteen minutes later, we would go swimming. They were already swimming. Let's just be honest. How many of you ever eaten something and went swimming? And you're still, you still live to tell about it. Amen. I can remember when my mom told me that story. I thought, oh my if I jump in that pool now, only God knows what's going to happen. You're gonna get cramps. You're gonna sink to the bottom, and I'll never see you again. <laughs> and my sisters going, "Amen, jump, Wally, jump!" <laughs> we've gotten to the point where sometimes we look at these rules, and when it comes to God, our love to Christ, we've got to follow those rules. It's how we show our love to Him. And there's many rules in the Bible. We sit there and go, oh man, a preacher's talking about rules. You know how the Bible is, it's got all these rules. You know what those rules are there for? They're not there to hurt you, they're there to protect you. They are. And if I love God, I'm going to keep His commandments. And let's look at the last one. And I, and I love the last one. So we have God's love to us, we have our love to Christ, and the last one is Christ loved us. And that's found in the next verse. Go to John chapter 15, verse 15, and we'll be done. John chapter 15, verse 15 says this. Now, you've got to watch this because it kind of sneaks up on you. It says, henceforth, I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But he says this, but I have called you. Can you imagine Jesus himself, Larry Hilton? I'm sitting in a chair, and Jesus himself (laughs) looks at me and says, listen, you are not my servant. Which he's already talked about being a servant. But he looks right at me and says, you are my friend. Wow. I just can't get enough of that as I've studied this this whole week. That Jesus looks at his disciples and says, listen, you're not my servant. In fact, Jesus was more of a servant to them than they were a servant to him. All right, watch. Who paid for all their stuff? Who who told them where they were going to go? Who took care of them along the way? Jesus was a servant to them. But he in turn says to them, he says, listen, you're not my servant because I call you my friend. You know why I like this verse? Because it changes the way I pray. I've heard people pray, thou, thee, ye. I don't don't do that with one of my friends, Phil. You know what I do? I talk to God just like I would talk to a friend. Because you know what he is? He is a friend. He is my savior. He is my king. He is my shepherd. He's all these many things. But one of the most personal things he can be to me is a friend. He says to his disciples, he said, listen, you're not my servant. You are my friend. Because watch, if you are a servant, you don't know what the master wants. It's true. I mean, there's times when, when I'm working with Daniel and say, can you get this done? And he, and he has to go do it. And he has no idea why I ask him to do that. He's like, why am I doing this? Because I have something that th- uh, my thought process is uh, this needs to get done so that we can do such and such. Sometimes we don't understand everything. And he's telling his disciples, he says, listen, I have told, I have shared with you my heart. And I wonder when Jesus is speaking about this, he starts thinking about the things he's going to do for his friend. I wonder if he goes back to verse number 13. He wonders if they're going to do 14. He knows what they're capable of. He knows what they're going to do. But he wants them to follow his commandments. Verse number 15 is the relationship between Christ's love to us. And here's what he says. He says to him, he says, henceforth I call you not servants. For the servant not knoweth what the Lord doeth. But I have called you friends for all things that I have heard of my father. I have made known unto you. And then he says this. Go to verse number 16. It says this, Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of your Father in my name, he may give it to you. And then he ends it up with this. These things I command you that ye love one another. He's sitting with his, he's sitting with his disciples. He explains God's love to us. He explains how we love him. And then he turns around and says, this is how much I love you. You are no longer my servants. You are my friends. You share things with friends that you wouldn't share to a worker. And he says, I've told you everything that God said to me, and I've shared it with you. And the sad thing about this whole thing is, is the disciples are sitting back. They don't understand most of the things that Jesus has said to them. Because they don't understand he's about ready to go to Golgotha. They don't understand he's going to be buried for three days. He's going to rise again, then it's going to hit him. He said the temple is going to be there for three, and then he's going to rebuild the temple. That's what he's referring back to. And then later on, he would come back, and he would show himself to the disciples numerous times. But at this point in the juncture of their life, they have no idea what he's talking about. I'm the vine. He's the vine. We're the branches. But he makes it personal when he says, you're my friend. Can I say this to you? You have a personal Savior in Jesus, but you also have a personal friend in Jesus. You know why he went through all the things that he did? He was tempted, but never succumbed to those temptations because he wanted to know what we went through. He wanted to know what you went through. He had people get upset at him. He tells his disciples when they first start. He goes to the Sermon on the Mount, read it. It says rejoice when people do what? Make make false accusations towards you. When they do these terrible things, you rejoice in it. We have something to be thankful for that we have a friend in Jesus. Just sang a song, what a friend we have in Jesus. I am so thankful when I lay my pillow down on, on my bed tonight that I have a friend that's always with me. I'm never alone. You're never alone. There's times when I feel like I'm alone. There's times when you hear some news or you hear some situations where you go, why would God do this? I don't know why God would do some things, but he's God. And I have a Savior, I have a King, I have a Lord, and I have a friend. And you know what I know about that friend? He loves me more than anything because he just, he just told me read verse number 13 one more time there's no one that loves me more than Jesus himself than a man lay down his life